This is Deanna Gosha with episode two of the Sojourn podcast. We can feel alone and disconnected due to the busyness of our lives. At Sojourn, we believe women should not travel alone. We connect with each other through our stories, letting us know we're not alone in our feelings or our circumstances. Join me each week as I teach, tell stories, or interview other women to help us connect with one another and see God's presence in our midst. If you've ever felt alone or disconnected, this podcast is just for you. Today, we're going to be talking about how being known and loved leads us to vulnerability. This past Christmas, we fulfilled a dream my husband and I have had for years, taking our daughters-in-law to Disney. Well, we let our sons come along too. My husband loves all things Disney, and when he discovered his daughters-in-law had never been, and since they have him wrapped around their finger, so to speak, it became a goal. After saving airline points, hunting for good deals, and other financial wrangling, we were set to make dreams come true. We boarded an airplane in Minnesota and landed in Orlando, Florida. After maneuvering eight people's luggage onto the Disney Magic Bus, we arrived at our condo at midnight, ready to spend eight days together. We were hoping we'd still like each other when we left. During the trip, everyone came down with a cold, and one of us was in bed for two days with a high temp. Another of us with a temp and double ear infection and eventually a ruptured eardrum. There was some inevitable crankiness, a few disagreements, and being caught in torrential downpours a few times. And there was a situation where in the pouring rain, I stepped onto a boat at the Jungle Cruise, and as I did, my hand slipped all the way down the railing, causing me to lose my balance and almost plant myself in the water between the dock and the boat. Thankfully, my husband caught me as everyone behind me gasped. It was a moment I'd really like to forget, but still, it was Disney. It was magical. The Disney experience is like none other. They truly create an atmosphere where you don't just hear the story or see the story, you experience it. You smell the gunpowder when you go through the Pirates of the Caribbean ride. In the It's Tough to Be a Bug show, you experience water sprayed on you, the smell of a stink bug, and the feeling of being poked in the back as if being stung by an insect. While standing in line for rides, they prep you with small vignettes to draw your attention to the story about to unfold. There are things for you to touch and hear and smell. All your senses are employed throughout your visit. It reminds me something of our relationship with God. We can hear the story of God, study that story, read that story, but it takes climbing into the story with God to know Him, not just know about Him. One of the ways we do that is by learning about ourselves. This may seem a bit odd to us, but if we think about the fact that God created us, 
We can know our Creator when we know ourselves. Knowing God and knowing others is intertwined. David Benner, in his book, The Gift of Being Yourself, says, Focusing on God while failing to know ourselves deeply may produce an external form of piety, but it will always leave a gap between appearance and reality. Part of knowing ourselves is understanding not just our strengths that we talked about in episode one, but also our weaknesses, our blind spots, you know, those things that are hard for us to see about ourselves, but are so evident to others. There are also things that we want to hide, feeling shame or being afraid for anyone to know that about us. The truth is, we can't hide from God. Psalm 139, 7-10 says, Where shall I go from your spirit? Or where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there your hand shall lead me, and your right hand shall hold me. I used to think about this passage from the perspective that I couldn't hide from God, that he would always know what I was up to. Now I read it more as an act of love, that no matter where I am, he is there. His hand leads me, holds me, guides me. When we accept that God knows us and loves us unconditionally, it opens up space for us to admit things about ourselves. To be known means we can open up about our true self and embrace those things. Embracing doesn't mean that it can't be changed. It doesn't mean that there are parts of our lives that don't need to be transformed. It isn't in conflict with God's longing for wholeness in our lives. It just means we acknowledge these parts of our lives. We no longer try to hide them or ignore them. There's a story in scripture about a young man who was given a beautifully woven coat known as the coat of many colors. His name was Joseph. Genesis 37.3 begins the story of his life recorded in scripture. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any other of his sons because he was the son of his old age and he made him a robe of many colors. But when his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers, they hated him and could not speak peacefully to him. Right away, Joseph's father has set him up for personal issues. When a parent makes a child a clear favorite, not only can it provoke jealousy in the siblings, but it can lead to a child that is arrogant and spoiled. Verse 5 tells us, Now Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. So what was this dream? Joseph and his brothers were binding sheaves in the field. Joseph's sheaf arose and stood upright. All the other siblings' sheaves gathered around it and bowed down. You can imagine how the brothers reacted when Joseph told them this. Are you going to reign over us? So they hated him even more. But then he dreamed another dream 
and of course told the brothers. The sun, the moon, and eleven stars, he had eleven brothers, were bowing down to him. And as you can imagine, that did not go well. Even his father rebuked him. His brother's jealousy grew. The thing is, those dreams would come true. But when his father gave him the coat, he didn't just have this beautiful coat woven for him. He also wove into him a sense of superiority. And when these dreams appeared, instead of maybe keeping it to himself and being patient, the wise thing to do, instead he did what an arrogant or entitled person would do. Let them know that one day they would bow down to him. I'm wondering if Joseph had faced his true self yet. I'm wondering if he was hiding behind his father's preference for him and letting that create a false sense of self, one based on favoritism instead of reality. Perhaps this weakness in Joseph's life led him to react the way he did. Last year, my husband told me that every time he got home, I was complaining about how I felt. He also said that I complained about everything he did. Okay, so that's an exaggeration, and he knew it, but probably not as big of an exaggeration as I thought. It really bothered me a lot. A few nights later, I told my son just how much it bothered me when people said I complained because I just didn't want to be that person. I imagined myself a different person. There might have been some tears as I talked about how distressed I was. Later that night, and I'm not even joking, I said something and my husband replied, Will you stop complaining about that? And I heard my son whisper to him, She doesn't like it when people tell her she's complaining. My husband, to his credit, said, Oh, I didn't know. And he said no more. I had a choice. Obviously, I needed to admit that there was a problem here. I could start working on the problem. I could try self-improvement techniques like putting a rubber band around my wrist and popping it every time I complained. Or I could say, you know what? I think this is part of my character. I think that instead of this nice, lovely, patient kind of person I think I am, that I want to be, instead, I'm a complainer. Why is that? Well, because I get stuck in perfectionism, and when I do, it really irritates me that things aren't perfect, and so I complain. Or I complain because I feel like I'm not known or valued, and if I complain about how I feel, it's because I want someone to care. So I admitted it. This is the way I am. The thing is, when we surrender our false self, that part of us that we've made up, and embrace our true self, we leave room for the Holy Spirit to work. And as I've admitted it, embraced it, instead of hiding from it, a funny thing has happened. I'll start to complain and then stop. I catch myself. I can admit that I'm about to complain. I'm seeing myself as I really am, as someone who complains. 
Well, this vulnerability is creating space for God to empower me to change, to change into someone who's more grateful instead of reverting to complaining. Here's the key to this. When we truly believe that God loves us, it allows us to open ourselves up to Him and expose those things that we are hiding to His love. And then He starts weaving them into the new person He's making. But it will only happen if we are willing to bring them to the table. To not just bring the parts we like or the parts that look good, we have to be willing to trust His love enough to bring those parts we'd rather not admit to. You know, things like jealousy, envy, pride, addiction, bitterness, and fill in the blank. In our present circumstances, now in July 2020, we're given an opportunity to evaluate our lives. When things are hard, as in we are living in a pandemic, our character flaws, our blind spots, and our weaknesses have a way to rise to the top of our lives and show themselves. Can we be vulnerable enough to recognize these things? Maybe it's a fear that we give in to. Anger, self-centeredness, lack of regard for others. Can we be honest with ourselves about racial issues and for those of us who are white, be open to examining our lives and to be ready to learn? Or will we hold tight to what we think is true, not being willing to maybe admit that there might be some wrong thinking or generational attitudes and beliefs that we might need to recognize and change? Can we be okay with placing everything, everything on the table, letting go of our pride and our fear, and instead embracing it all, being able to say, this is who I am, recognizing that we are loved enough by God to be able to admit those hard things, that he knows us through and through and loves us regardless. Can we surrender it all to him? As we end today, I want to leave you with a few questions to consider. Has anyone told you about blind spots in your life? If so, how did you react? What is something you've been vulnerable about in your life in the past? How did that work out for you? Imagine for a moment a table. In your mind, place five positive words to describe you on the table. Or maybe actually do this to a table. Now place one to two things that you need to work on. Do you feel like you can embrace your full self as you look at all you've placed on the table? Is there anything you are fearful to admit to yourself, to others, to God? Maybe be curious about that. Each podcast, we will end with a few questions to think about. 
you might want to get a journal to write your answers. Or you might want to get together with a conversation partner or a group of friends and share the answers with each other. You can access the questions on our Facebook page, Sojourn Women. You can also find us on Instagram, again, Sojourn Women. Thanks so much for joining me today to talk about how vulnerability can happen with God when we accept that He knows us and He loves us. Our next episode will be about joining God in His story.